Welcome to On The Grid, a podcast dedicated to the Valley of the Sun. Our podcast is a place where you can come and meet the creators taking this metropolis to the next level. A place where you can learn about what's really happening in Phoenix. My name is Philip Haldeman, and I'll be your host. This is episode six of On The Grid. Ron May's theater productions have been a Phoenix staple for more than 15 years now. He started with shows like Shopping and Fucking and Polaroid Stories, making a name for himself directing cutting-edge plays, filling a void that was needed in this town. As co-founder and artistic director, he's been running Stray Cat for about 15 years now and is about to launch one of his biggest productions yet. It's Green Day's American Idiot, and it runs June 24th through July 16th. Ron is directing the first production of this immensely popular Tony winner based on Green Day's multi-platinum album, and we're going to talk about it. But first, the stale news. For every episode of On the Grid, we take a brief moment to fill you in on what's happening in the Valley. And this installment is called The Stale News. It's called that because by the time you listen to it, the following news items will be old. But for posterity and to serve as a signpost along the highways of our lives, here is the news of the week for June 20th. This happened about a week ago, but we feel like we should mention it. On June 12th, nearly 50 people were gunned down by a killer in a gay nightclub called Pulse in Orlando, Florida. The next day, thousands of people showed their support, including hundreds who gathered in downtown Phoenix at the Phoenix Pride LGBT Center, featuring speeches by Phoenix Mayor Greg Stanton and local faith and LGBT organizations. And then on June 19th, a week later, in response to the shootings, the U.S. Senate voted down four gun control measures. Summer is here, kids. It came in with a roar in June. Phoenix hit four record highs in a row, June 3rd through 6th, topping off at 116 degrees. And we hit another record high at 118 degrees on June 19th. And for about two weeks, the Loop 303 has been shut down between Lake Pleasant Parkway and Interstate 17. But it has nothing to do with construction or car accidents. It's actually because Michael Bay with Paramount Studios has been shooting Transformers 5 the last night. To receive a film permit from Arizona Department of Transportation, a production must assume all legal liability and financial responsibility, and it must have at least $5 million in liability coverage. The production must also agree to leave the highway in as good a condition as it was prior to filming and must cover any costs to repair or restore the roadway. It must also cover the cost of traffic control, including paying for law enforcement. Interestingly enough, a statement from ADOT said that there's actually no cost for film permits. The statement went on to say that ADOT's requirements for film permits safeguard taxpayers' dollars and the taxpayers' investments in our highways, which includes making sure there is no cost to the state. Today on the show, we have director, actor, Valley talent, Ron May. And so, Ron, you are directing American Idiot right now. How are rehearsals going? Uh, rehearsals are going extremely well so far, knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, and you are um, in tech. Uh, you open on Saturday, right? Yeah, we preview on Friday and open on Saturday. Okay. Um, totally want to talk about American Idiot, but let's uh, let people know all about you. Um, so... <laughs> So you are originally from Chicago, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And when did the acting bug bite? 
or when did you know you wanted to be involved with theater? I think it was junior. No, it was junior high. In junior high, um, I got involved on the speech team at the time. And the guy that ran the speech team also ran the theater program. And he said, oh, you should audition for the play. And I was like, I don't want to be in a play. Um, and auditioned for it, did it. And that was kind of and it for me. And you really I liked, did do, you remember, do you remember what the play was? It was called, I think it was The Man in the Gray Flannel Suit hmm. was the first one. It was really stupid. It was played, like a, just, uh, did you play a big role in it, or I mean, for for a high school for a junior high play, yeah, it was oh, a, like a fifteen high, right. minute yeah. play. It wasn't yeah. oh, okay. a play gotcha. play. Sure <laughs> so, play. Yeah. Well, that's the same thing that happened to me. My uh, high school drama teacher uh, searched me out because I was so small in high school. Like I looked like <laughs> I was in third grade, and I, she asked, she wanted me to play Sir Tom of Warwick from Camelot. Oh wow! And. I was like, no way, I'm not singing, I'm not dancing, I'm not acting, I'm like, but I ended up doing it. I was just, I, you know, no, I never didn't turn back after that. So yeah. when was the next level for you in terms of acting or theater and that sort of thing? Um, I did it all through high school and we did, my junior year, we did a production of The Foreigner um, and Illinois State University, they had representatives come and see it. And after seeing it, they had sent a letter to the director of theater and said hey we want to see these three people they should audition for our program well wow. so, for as an actor yeah 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 wow that's uh, cool and i was the only junior that they asked so i was wow. like oh well hell yeah i'm gonna do this so it was a program like a like a, a program that lasts like you know a semester or like was it a full-on it was to go down there it okay. was they were basically gotcha. they were just recruiting i think okay gotcha um so, and I initially was going to go to Illinois State. I didn't wind up going because I, my application got in so late that there was no housing. Um, and I didn't know anybody who was in normal Illinois, so I didn't have a couch to sleep on. So, right, right. Didn't wind up going, but almost. <laughs> Total <laughs> thing to sleep on somebody's couch, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, not the casting couch, I guess. But, <laughs> no. <laughs> but so, you, you got a four-year degree in, in basically acting or production, the whole nine yards? And I actually don't have any degrees. Uh oh Yeah. It's so, one of those. I've gone to school a lot, right, but right. I've never finished. Okay. It's a little known secret. <laughs> <laughs> well, not anymore, but. <laughs> well, it doesn't really matter because you, well, you ended up, well, you ended up in Arizona. How did that happen? Uh, I went to College of DuPage out in Illinois for theater. I went for two years. And I kind of stopped doing theater. They kind of, they drill into you that if you can find anything else to do and still make money and be happy, go do that. Um, and I saw people that I thought were far more talented than I was uh, not doing well. So I panicked and went into social work for a while and wound up working in nursing homes. And after talking to a litany of people over several years on their deathbed saying, oh, I wish I could have gone back and I wish I would have tried to be a ballerina. I wish I would have tried to write that book. I thought, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I need to at least go try. Um, and I found out that Marshall Mason was teaching down here. So I thought, oh, well, I'm going to go to Arizona. Mason before, I mean, you were a fan of his work? Before? I didn't know his work, but I read okay. plays all the time. Okay. And his name was always in the front. Right. So right. I knew who he was. And I thought, so he and was it's a Arizona? Big he was a big drive to, mm -hmm. to, for Arizona State University. Yeah, he was the draw. Okay. It was, yeah, right, I didn't. Right. Arizona didn't register otherwise, gotcha. um, okay. but I had a friend who was going to ASU and she had said, Marshall Mason teaches here. You should come down here. Okay. So I was like, oh, well, all right. So uh, what was he like as a teacher? He was, in, he just won a Tony the other night, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, what did he win a Tony for? It was a lifetime, lifetime achievement. achievement. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Super surreal. Yeah. That's amazing. Just to see that on my Facebook feed too, you know, cause I, yeah. I took, I never took classes with Marshall, but I've 
Danny Irvine taught me a couple classes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've been together for years. Um, So, uh, yeah, what was it like for him to be in his class? Was he he like one of those, you know, acting teachers that can be really tough on you? Was he really nurturing, you know, like? He, I only, I came down here for directing because I thought if I was going to, if I was going to do the acting thing in Chicago, I would just get a resume and headshot and go start hitting the pavement. But directing was something I, I wasn't skilled in and I thought well if I'm gonna learn it I'm gonna go try and learn some of it from fucking Marshall Mason you know <laughs> did the director choice um because you know out of work starving actor that's what actors are known for practically but director seems a little bit more like oh like you can actually survive off of it maybe or what <laughs> no <laughs> okay. um uh the directing thing actually there was a director at College of DuPage who was also an acting coach of mine who I revered mm-hmm. um and thought she was just in St. Uh, Connie Canada Howard. Okay. Um, and she's still there. She's uh-huh. still brilliant and amazing. Uh-huh. She had pulled me aside after an audition and, and I had taken a directing class from her and it was the only directing class that I had taken. And she pulled me aside and kind of said, you know, you absolutely could go and do this acting thing, but you really should look into the directing thing. And at the time, I was I just kind of wrote it off and thought, oh, maybe she's trying to tell me that I'm really a crappy actor, <laughs> you know? Um but over time, it was something that I really enjoyed doing. She had me assistant director show with her, and I really liked it. So I thought, well, if I'm going to go back to school, I'm not going to go back for acting. I'll go back for directing. And, and it's so, Arizona and Marshall Mason. I got to go. Like, what, what drew you to directing? I have a really sort of, it's not an anal retentive side, but I, there's, a, like, I'm really good at math. Mm-hmm. And I think most people who well, are in theater where, are like, I right, hate yeah. math. Um, but there's this weird, like, part of me that really, really likes sitting down and making schedules. Um, okay. So there's a really sort of anal retentive admin side like of me management thing. that, yeah, that I really kind of get off on. And then dealing with the people is fun. Right. Um, and acting, acting is something that I, it's the, the older I get for some reason, the scarier it gets. <laughs> I have no idea why. on stage yeah. or, yeah. now that's interesting too, because I, I feel the, the same way. Um, to me, like acting seems almost like it's like a, a, a little kid thing to do. And I feel like I've gotten grown up and like gotten all these responsibilities and it's harder for me to even focus on acting for some reason, but it's definitely, it's a different beast altogether, obviously. I mean, like the director has the whole, is in charge of the whole, the whole thing. And so there's a lot more responsibility there. Um, and so when you were taking classes with Marshall, he was, it was more directing or was it, it was, yeah, it was all, it was directing. all directing. It was yeah. the directing track basically. Mm-hmm. So, um, um, what sort of knowledge did you get from him as a director and a student? All kinds of things. I, there's all sorts of things I learned that don't work for me. Um, there were lots of things that I learned that absolutely, I think, are, I mean, it's he's got his own style of Definitely. directing, for sure. Um, and it works. I mean, it certainly works for him. I, I acted in one show. He, he did King Lear, and I was just sort of a supernumerary, um, but got tons out of it. I don't know. It was I learned tons from him. <laughs> And um, so ASU, remind me, what were your first couple uh, plays there that you directed that people started noticing? The first? They were at Planet Earth Theater, which is a now way defunct theater back. Yeah. In that the one Roosevelt was, District, and that right? happened, I mean, we did uh, the first Chicks with Dicks that okay, I was in. that's what it was, yes. Um, that was while I was in, that one was while I was in, while I was in school, and uh, Chicks with Dicks 2, Battle of Cannibal Sluts in Outer Space was also while I was in school, that one I directed. Okay. Uh, shopping and fucking is the yes. first thing that I directed outside of school. That was before Stray, Stray Cat, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. After doing Chicks and Chicks 2 and Shopping and Fucking, um, 
I was in the lobby a lot and was talking to the people that in were coming uh, of planet Earth. Okay. Um, so I'd be there during intermission and people had no idea who the hell I was. So I just kind of talked to them and, hey, where are you from? How'd you hear about the show? And there were, I just realized that there were a lot of people that were looking for the kinds of things that we were doing. Um, and I heard a lot. And you're talking about like a little bit more edgy theater, basically. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 And they, all of the people that I spoke to were people that had moved from other areas and were used to having a more diverse cultural menu right. to order off of. Like Chicago is a big theater yeah. town, Minnesota, New York, and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So these were all transplants. That Almost Basically, everybody. there was a void yeah. of that type of theater. Back then, it was kind of like, um, what, like, you know, My Fair Lady type stuff, maybe. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were still doing, the big theater companies were still doing, you know, stuff, but not quite. Phoenix didn't have quite the menu, like you said. That there wasn't a lot. There was right. you. You could find all of the Broadway shows uh, between Phoenix Theater and Arizona Theater Company, and uh, Actors Theater would snag all of the off-Broadway shows. But everything else, community-wise, was pretty much retreads of Broadway shows from 10, 20, 30, 100 years ago. Um, and there was nobody doing sort of contemporary material. Uh, there weren't a lot. Uh, Inmix Company was sort of around at the time. Um, so they were certainly an impetus, but they closed after I did one show with them and they closed really yeah, soon after that. Right. Um, so yeah, there, it just seemed that there was. So where were you working at the time? Just at like, just where, how were you paying the bills oh, at the time? This at the time, I worked college. at the Tempe Improv for a while. Okay. I was working in the box office gotcha. and did sound there. Okay. Uh, I worked when I came back, when we started Stray Cat, I worked over at Godiva in the mall. Okay. Um, <laughs> nice. yeah, it was great. At least you get, you know, cheap chocolate, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. Cause that's expensive stuff. Yeah. We'd basically, we'd throw it on the floor cause if it was broken, you couldn't sell it. So we'd throw it on the floor, break it and then throw it on the thing at the end, nice. at the end of the night, split it up. <laughs> yeah. That was really classy. Uh, but so you, um, were talking to the local folks or transplants and you discovered, well, you knew there was a need for such theater. And so, I mean, how, how do you go from just being kind of, you know, a guy that directs or acts on occasion to, you know, going through all the, the tax uh, paperwork and all this stuff <laughs> and laying down a full on, you know, local theater company? There was a class that I took at ASU that John Berglund, who used to teach there, um, who was uh, taught there and also worked over at Arizona Theater Company. And he taught, uh, a, basically, it was a, the whole idea of the class was that you created this nonprofit and it could have been a theater company. It could have been an arts organization, could have been anything, but he walked you through step by step. So the minute you left the class, you had an entire outline of what to do the first three years. Cool. It's the business of theater, so to speak. I mm -hmm. mean, like they teach you, they teach you the tools to act and direct, but a lot, they're starting to do it a lot more now, but back then they were, that was kind of rare on some. It level. was hugely rare. Yeah. yeah. So was that class that you took? Um, was it, were you in? Were you at ASU at the time? Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you have Straight Cat in mind as you were going through the, through the class, or I had it. I had my sights set on Los Angeles because a lot of my friends had moved out there and they were trying to get me to go there, and they succeeded. I went for about three months and then came back. And yeah, what is that experience like? Because I've obviously lived there, and I I liked it, yeah. but it just wasn't my speed. Um, and I, I really wanted to kind of do the stuff that we were doing at Planet Earth. I really wanted to do theater and I wanted a mission statement that that went sort of beyond putting all of these super talented people that I knew in things so they could be seen for pilots even though I would have loved to have been able to do that right it just wasn't sort of what my focus was um that's an interesting thing um that this is something we talk about quite a bit on the podcast is um 
the opportunities that you have in Phoenix growing city compared to like Los Angeles. Yeah. Like you go out there, it's so competitive here. You can actually do whatever you want right now, basically. Um, it's a lot easier. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I was going to say, did, I mean, coming back from LA, I mean, was it easier for you to, or just the realization of knowing that you can really get it done here type thing? A lot of it was the people that I was working with out here. I knew that if I had those people around me, I knew that we knew how to, to do a play and to do it pretty well. So out in LA, I knew a lot of really, really insanely talented actors, but that was it. I didn't have an arsenal of set designers and lighting designers and stage managers and all that. Uh, so coming back here, I already had sort of the infrastructure and there's plenty of talent out here. So we were like, well, we're not going to have any problem finding talented people to put in them. So yeah, it was kind of, it was obviously a crapshoot, but at the same time it was like, well, the worst thing that will happen is this will be the worst decision I've ever made in my life, but at least I'll know. Was there a, like a, like a, a moment when you're like, I know I want to do Stray Cat or, or did it kind of just happen over time, I guess? No, it I mean, coming out of the class, it was, it was not something that, I set out and said, oh, now that I have the plans for this, I'm totally going to do it. But after being at Planet Earth and experiencing the success that we had there and seeing the audience response and seeing that there was an audience for the kind of work that we wanted to do, there was a huge aphrodisiac <laughs> to want to do it more. You know, it was like, oh, you know, there's actually people that will come and see this if we do it. Um, and the press was paying attention to us, which people thought was insane because we were so small. I mean, it was before we were even Stray Cat, but we were making noise at Planet Earth and nobody knew who we were at the time. But then suddenly people started to know who we were. Now, when um, you uh, Planet Earth, did you help start that or, or did oh, you part no. of it? You're kind of like a member of the I kind of came in at the troops very something? tail end. Okay. Um, I don't know what the what the arrangement was. I know that uh, the guy that was running it was at ASU at the time. So Trista, the playwright of Chicks and Chicks 2, was sort of the in to Planet Earth for those shows. Uh, shopping and fucking was just luck. I had he was looking for a season and I said, I want to do this show. This is the one thing that'll keep me in Arizona. Cause I said, there's no way anyone in Arizona will let this show happen. And he said, sure. So we did it. <laughs> Straight out wound up happening after that. It was, it was right. uh, that happened. Polaroid stories happened. Then I moved. Then I came back and said, gotcha. This is stupid. We should just start. And we should was try that it. About? Do you remember 2001? It was 2000. That, oh, 2000. Okay. Yeah. And so you start Stray Cat. Where was your first show at? Our first show was in a strip mall in Scottsdale, and I don't remember. It like was in South Scottsdale somewhere, probably. Or it was. It's sort of by the casino, actually. Oh, it's, wow. I don't okay. even know if it's still there. So it's like almost on the reservation, then I guess, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. um, Ensemble Theater used to work okay. there. Used to work out of there. Okay. Uh, and Ben Monrad, who was one of the founding directors of Stray Cat, he knew people there, and so they offered us a space for our first show. Okay. And so that's where we did that. <laughs> <laughs> And now this is actually kind of a good segue into, you know, where you're at now, I guess. So you're, you're doing um, American Idiot, yeah. first local production um, of this show. I mean, you've kind of jumped all over in terms of venue, but this is the biggest venue you've ever, ever um, used, right? Aside from Stage West, we did a, a co-pro with Arizona Theater Company this last season. Okay. Um, so we had a one-off in Stage West. So that was actually the biggest we've ever done. Okay. Uh, but this is the biggest space that we've been in as far as a permanent home for sure. Is that something that you decided to do because of the growth of the theater or because of this American Idiot has such a big uh, – is so popular? Or? It's – the space that we were in, uh, the – 
the old Tempe Performing Arts Center got sold. Ah. So we kind of got booted out. Right. We kind of knew that it would eventually happen that we'd move over to TCA, which is, it's going to be great. Our patrons are going to love it because the one complaint we got over at TPAC was the lack of parking. And now there's plenty of free parking because they have a dedicated lot. Uh, and there's a bar on site, which our patrons love. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was it was sort of just, uh, hey, you guys... This building's going away, so we want you to come here. And okay. there were so other it was like options. It's a fairly natural progression, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We definitely want to stay in Tempe. Got the move it. to Tempe yeah. was okay. scary when we first did it, but it was the best thing we ever did. What is it about Tempe? I don't know. Is it's it... I, it's just You've... the atmosphere, sort of. The fact that there's... Uh, we get a lot more students. I mean, the, the students, even the students from like MCC and SCC come way more now that we're in Tempe than they ever did when we were in Phoenix. And Tempe itself, just the city is very pro-arts. They're yeah. just really, really supportive. True. So this natural progression, uh, you choose to do American Idiot, which is, in terms of popularity, it's probably the most popular play you've ever done, maybe? Or it's up there at least, Yeah, right? I mean, it's the only, it's the first Broadway show we've ever done. Okay. Talk a little bit about the mission of the theater company and then... Maybe why you chose to go into such a more ma- a little more mainstream production? Mm-hmm. Um, well, when we first started, our big thing was we wanted to sort of cultivate the next generation of theater artists and theater goers. Um, it's sort of been whittled down. We still do that. That's still part of our mission. Um, but showcasing what we consider to be the most vital contemporary material that's out there. And that's a fairly new thing? Or no, that's been going on it's, for a long it's, time. It's not been stated implicitly. At yeah. first, we were all about... We wanted to make sure that we had the next generation. And now as we've gotten older, we're like, well, we've already fulfilled that mission, sort of. So we can continue to do that, but we need to hone this differently. Gotcha. Um, so we just framed it saying, uh, showcasing the most what we consider the most vital contemporary material. And American Idiot certainly fits it. Um, there's not a lot of musicals. People always ask, when are you going to do a musical? And it was like, I don't what musical do you think we're going to do, you know? Um, and this was the first year we did Heather's, the musical this year, and American Idiot. It was the first year that two musicals were available, that it fits our aesthetic. It's the kind of thing that our audience isn't going to come to and go, oh, hey, way to sell out, you know? It's, it's, it's still very Stray Cat flavored. Totally. Um, so tell people what American Idiot is about. It's based on the Green Day album, uh, American Idiot. They wrote it sort of as a pop opera uh, uh, initially. Um, And it's got all of the songs off of that, as well as a few from the follow-up 21st Century Breakdown. And it's about these three guys. And it's just, it's a coming-of-age story of the three guys. They start in this imagined suburbia, and they're kind of raging against the machine. But it's all contextualized right after 9-11 happens. So... It's when everything sort of gets thrown into question and there's this this new fear of the other. Right. Um, and it's weird because it's not a period piece. It's still really, really relevant. But it's even talking to the cast about 9-11. We've got people in the cast that were five years old when 9-11 happened. Yeah. So what that was about and what it did to the country and what it did to people who were in their adolescence, they didn't quite understand and trying to explain to people that we didn't have smartphones back then so if you wanted news you had to watch tv or you had to turn the radio on because you couldn't just dial it up on your phone and look on facebook you know um and so there was also the idea that if you if you wanted to get out and see the world and affect change you couldn't 
you, you couldn't study it online and say, okay, I've really researched this place and now I'm going to go make my change. It's, you just had to go, you know? Um, so there's these three guys that think that there's all this promise out in the world and they go into the big city to try and affect change in their life and go through all sorts of trials and tribulations and turmoil. Did 9-11, was 9-11 a background in this show, in the play? Is it? Yeah, okay, it's, right. I will say it's a little, it's definitely more, explicitly stated in our production than it was in the Broadway production. Um, so, but yeah, it's a, it's always been sort of an undercurrent. Huh. What is behind, and this is vague and take it however you want to, but like <laughs> what is behind a directorial cho choice that you might make? It's, it's something personal. I, I have to find a way into something. Um, if there's something that speaks to me, I, I always kind of want to investigate that and find out why. Something in terms of the material in the play or something uh -huh. like that? Yeah. Yeah. And I saw, I, I've never directed something that I've seen before. This is the first time I've made that exception. I saw American Idiot when it came through Gamage and I responded really strongly to it in a lot of positive ways, but it was the first time I ever saw anything and was like, oh, I, I really want to get a crack at this, really? you know? Yeah. It just, it felt. So it spoke to you. It, it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. There, and there was the, the way the, the way nine 11 was sort of treated in the Broadway production was something that it didn't trigger me, but it was something that, you know, I would seemed, do that differently, right? Yeah. It yeah. felt really, really. They should have out of place. It was just really oh, okay. like, Oh, Oh my God. Is that what that is? <laughs> you know? And it happened sort of in the middle of the show. And to me, it happened in a really obvious place in the show. It's when they, it's when they sang wake me up when September ends. And it was like, yeah, okay, we get it. Um, gotcha. So yeah, there were just a number of things that when I saw it, I said, I would love to do this differently. But American idiot is a bit bigger show. So what is the, ri the bigger, the risk of doing such a big show, I guess. We typically, we've subsisted really well by doing a bunch of shows that nobody's ever heard of. So we always anticipate that we're going to lose some money. And we've just been extremely fortunate that at least half the time we don't. Um, but with something that's this, it's, it's, it's a much larger production. The royalties are much more expensive. It's a bigger set. The band is something we normally don't have to pay for. There's all sorts of sound things that we need that we didn't have in the old space. Um, the costume plot alone for the 15 characters is the biggest thing that we've ever had, ever. And even though it's all 90s, you know, it's it's pretty much set in the 90s and contemporary, It's you've got 15 people to get into six or seven different costumes, and that's a lot more than we normally have. Gotcha. You're a cast member. How many, how many are normally in a cast? Uh, there's eight to, six to eight. Yeah, tops is usually seven or eight people, and yeah. we've got 15 in this one. Wow, yeah. Did, is it all local talent? Did you? Yep. Okay. Cool. And, yeah, they're all local. And, and uh, that's pretty much the way you work at Stray Cat, right? Yep. Okay. It's that's all that's all we'll ever do. The thing that I would imagine theater companies have to worry about here or film producers or anything like that is the draw to LA being so close and do 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 you have to is that a big problem with you like in terms of talent and you know trying to keep people in town as opposed to saying don't go to LA type thing you it's know? hard to keep people here it um, is yeah I imagine because so. just the opportunities just aren't there to right. make a living in yeah. theater or or acting or anything out here it's it's really 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 totally almost impossible so you're kind of like well you know I mean, you can't do anything about it. It's just it's just a nature of the beast type thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. it's it would be nice to change it, and yeah. everyone talks about oh, if there were more equity houses, but we've had more equity houses and they've closed. So it's like, but we've sort of had the solution, and the solution's closed. So what do we do now? You know, right. and it. I mean, is the solution bringing more of them back? Are there different things that we need to be doing? Right. Um, it's a it's 
it's a frustrating question that no one seems to have the answer to. Uh, and along the same lines, um, you know, we had 9-11 and the recession. And, and so looking back and what have been some challenges of keeping the theater open even, you know, what are some of the struggles? Corporate sponsorship has pretty much disappeared completely. I mean, when, when Stray Cat started, we had an entire season that was underwritten by American Express. Uh, the culture is just different now. Unless you're helping kids or people who are suffering, they're not interested oh, wow. anymore, you know? Um, Actors Theater never really had an educational component. I'm sure if, if they had figured, if they had decided, hey, that's something that we really want to do, there would have been more public monies available. Um, every single year, uh, the Arizona Commission on the Arts fights to get what little funding they get from the government. Um, it's just, it's really, really tricky that you have to rely on on the community and you have to rely a lot on people. And a lot of people got hit hard from the recession and haven't bounced back. So right. even individual donors that used to have lots and lots of money to give you don't have it anymore, you know, or they have less of it. So they kind of, instead of boutiquing around and saying, I'm going to support all of these organizations, they can either give less to all of those organizations or they can find one that really speaks to them. And that's sort of where they put their time and energy, uh, which makes sense, you know? Um, and at our, at our size, it's it's relatively easy because we're still small. Like right. we're really small. And you're you're more entrenched in the community, so people are more familiar with you guys at this point and whatnot. Um, also, in gen in general, how do you see when you look back at Phoenix ten years ago? What's the difference? And that can be theater wise. It can be just in general. I think, I mean personally, I think theater wise, when we started Stray Cat, there was a sort of embarrassment of riches available out here. What do you mean? You know, I mean, because there was corporate sponsorship. We could go to Amex, and even though we were doing shows that had fuck in the title, they they were still on board to underwrite us, you know? Um, and the, the commission wasn't getting, um, you know, eviscerated from, you know... The, it's there. It was just a lot easier to start when we started. Um, Phoenix Office of Arts and Culture had uh, a program that I'm sure cost them a lot of money, but they had an incubator program. And so there was us, there was Scorpius Dance Theater. Um, I think North Valley Community Playhouse was part of it. But it was something where if you... It, if you were an entrepreneurial arts organization, they helped get you on your feet and found you rehearsals could help find you rehearsal space. Um, and there was business volunteers for the arts that was around and they could help find you board members. And so there were just all of these things that if you were starting a nonprofit, you had a hundred different avenues to go to find help. And that's all of those things are gone. Wow. So if you're trying to start a nonprofit now, you can call me and I'll help, but it's, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's difficult. It's a lot. It's just a lot harder. Wow. Yeah. So then what is missing now in terms of the theater? Um, I mean, you guys obviously filled a void, you know, have been, but is there something else that's, that Phoenix is missing? Um, it's, I always say that it's, it's missing it, it and it's hard cause it, to say that it's missing dedication, but it's not even that it's, it's missing the kind of commitment from, from our leaders, you know, mm -hmm. um, and and commitment from the community to say we're we're only going to vote people into office that are going to make the arts a priority, you know. Um, but I don't. I mean, if they were here, I would think it would happen. It's just it's frustrating that mm -hmm. it doesn't. You know, the arts just are not a primary concern of a lot of legislators. It's really it's a good point because really that is kind of where that's the root of it in a way because because they make the decisions obviously. Yeah. 
What about next year, next season? Is that where are you guys in that? We um three of the shows uh we we're going to be in residence over at Tempe Center for the Arts, but we share it with Child's Play as primary sort of residence in the studio theater. Mm-hmm. And they they swallow up a whole block of time in the spring. So we're doing three shows over at TCA, and then we're doing one show over at Black Theater Troupe downtown. T, uh, TC... Tempe Center for the Arts. Tempe Center. Sorry, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and can you uh, and can you say what you're doing yet? Or? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. As of right now, the three shows that are going to happen over there, we're doing a play called John by Annie Baker. Uh, she won the Pulitzer, Pri- uh, Pulitzer Prize for The Flick. We did the second production ever of The Flick yes. nationally, and we're, we're doing the second production of John, um, as far as I know. I don't think anyone's doing it before we are. And that's going to be in the fall? Uh, that one's going to be either in the fall or the winter. We're still juggling the first two slots. Um, the second or the first show is going to be a world premiere of a play by a local Arizona playwright, Ron Hunting. Um, cool, yeah. Anything you hear and only half of what you see. They just, uh, the Arizona Film Festival, Gene Gansel made a film out of it called Postmarked. Yeah, tell, um, I, I know Ron, obviously you know Ron. I, I've worked with Ron. I did a Lion in Winter with him yeah. years ago. Um, so tell tell the, everybody about Ron Hunting and kind of this project that's been going on. He's, uh, he's a longtime Arizona mm-hmm. arts sort of, I mean, he he ran Algon. He was one of the runners of Algonquin Theater. He was a local actor. I met him. We worked on Take Me Out over at Nearly Naked together, um, and I immediately just clicked with him. He's a cool guy, yeah. Um, and we always stayed in touch. I had no idea that he was a playwright. Uh, they did a reading of this show out at Theater Works that he invited me out to see. Um, that I went and saw, and I was floored how good it was because there's a lot of people that say, "Hey, read my play," and it's like, yeah, okay. Um, but it was really good. It was very, it was like Quentin Tarantino meets Martin McDonough meets David Mamet. Nice. Um, and it was smart and it was funny and it was set in Arizona, which was crazy. And it was about mailmen, which oh, wow. I was like, what? But I want to see this. It's really good though. Yeah. Um, and Gene Gansel, um, Ron was diagnosed with ALS. Um, and so Gene, as sort of a passion project, decided to turn it into a film for him. And this was a play that uh, Ron Hunting, Ron directed before he got ALS, right? Or was he? I, I think he wrote it before. Well, okay. It's never had a production. Gotcha. Okay. So we're getting, we're doing the world premiere of it. Gotcha. Oh, sweet. That's great. That's good to hear. Um, and that's going to be in your next season. And there was yeah. one more you said, right? Uh, we've got two more. We're also doing uh, a new. There's a new adaptation of Richard Wright's Native Son that we're doing that ran in Chicago uh, that's really dark and beautiful and twisted and amazing. It's a hard book to adapt to the stage. Um, And this playwright, Nambi E. Kelly from Chicago, I don't know how she did this, but she came up with a really brilliant way into the text. Um, And it's an incredible adaptation. Uh, And then we're closing the season. Matthew Weiner from Act, from the old Actors Theater is going to be coming over and directing a play called Here H I R, uh, which is a, a it's a it's a replacement pronoun uh, for a transgendered individual, oh. um, and it's sort of a weirdly dark comedy about the implosion of the nuclear family of the mom and dad and the two and a half kids. But it, it's not like a Lifetime movie where it's like everyone except you know what right, I mean. Right, right. Um, it does it in a really smart way by dismantling sort of the the sort of heterosexual norm family that you see on stage right um it's really funny and dark and it's sad at the end but is there anything that specific that you want to talk about mention uh 
come see American Idiot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we run, it's uh, June 24th to July 16th over at Tempe Center for the Arts. Uh, you go to our website, straycattheater.org. Uh, and there's a link to buy tickets. They're really not that expensive. Uh, even if you saw the damage, I, I can promise you we will rock your face off as loudly as they did. Uh, but it's a different production. It's not a totally different animal. You'll still recognize it. But we had a lot of fun with it. So it's it's a cool new sort of adaptation of it. Nice. Yes, go see it. Thank you, uh, Ron, for being here. Thank really you. appreciate it. It's a great time. Thanks. Hey, thank you guys so much for listening to the show. If you'd like to reach us, we can be found at onthegridphx.com or email us at podcast at onthegridphx.com. On the Grid is produced by Chris Ayers. Intro music was performed by local band Factories. They can be reached at factoriesmusic.com. And by the way, sticking with our theme of local, we feature a different local band at the end of every show. And this week, that band is Driver of Yacht Club. They will be performing July 29th at Last Exit in Central Phoenix. Dry River Yacht Club can be found at dryriveryachtclub.com. Once again, guys, thank you so very much for joining us for our sixth episode of On the Grid.